0: you get the spooked girls true crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls stabby snippets will give you dreams Tara and jessica will make you along with the spooked on the slaughter. We on that haunted ground.
1: The Three Spooked Girls. Hey there Spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica and as always I am joined by my favorite gal pal Tara. Hey Spooksters. Today we are going to be talking about another Tara.
0: Yeah it weirds me out. It just, I have to say, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you. It weirds me out when there's like a story or a character with the name Tara, because my name is not as common as like you would think. True. And then in Scream 5, one of the girls is named Tara too. So Ooh. I was like, what is happening?
1: Tara's having a moment. Tara's having anyway. a moment. Anyway. <laughs> not like you're having a moment, but like the name Tara is having a moment. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. My name has just always kind of been like the background character. Forever.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would okay, so we're gonna talk about this for a second. I'm sorry. I wouldn't say she's the the Sydney of the movie. Oh she's not I don't know. It's weird because it's like Tara's sister's also in this movie. Mm. But for me and anyone who's seen it, you can like let me know what you think. But I I equate her sister. As the Sydney of the newer generation. And they did just announce today in real time that they're going to have another one. So I'm kind of Ooh, excited. Yes. Exciting. Anyways, we digress. I still need to watch it. Yes. So, Oh, oh, just wait, though. I have a screenshot. It's coming to like digital here in a little bit. Sweet. Yes. I'm going to buy it because I liked it that much. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Side rail big time. More done. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Uh.
1: Well, if you're new, if you're new, welcome to the pod. We hope you stay and enjoy. If you are a returning spookster, welcome back. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to at 3 Spooked Girls on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have a very active Facebook group. It's 3 Spooked Girls Official. In that group, we have a lot of shit going on. There's book club. We just closed a book exchange. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fun stuff that happens in there. And it's where you guys get to interact with us on a daily basis. So if you want to do that, head over to the Facebook group, because that's where the fuck we're at. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. All the times. Or TikTok. I mean, it literally pops up on my phone. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls or hit the show notes. It's there. You can kind of find it. For little as a dollar, you get a bonus episode. Five and up, get video content. Ten and up gets their own episode dedicated to them on the show. Mm -hmm. So check that out. Also, if you want to help support the show, you can do so by attending our live shows that we do. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, we have one coming up on February 19th. Yes, please come. Mm -hmm. It's going to be our bloody Valentine, so you should definitely check it out. It's going to be fun. And then we're doing a live Q&A at the end, so come with your questions. It's $14 because, you know, Valentine's Day and we're a little bit kitschy like that. (laughs) So. (laughs) If you want to kind of interact with us a little bit more personal too, because we will be there answering questions, check out it's in the show notes, it's on mm-hmm. any of our socials, and if you are on TikTok or you like the app TikTok, Tara has a very active TikTok. I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp out hers because like mine, let's be honest, it's Spooky and Jesse with a Y, and it's not that great. I don't do that much shit, but Tara's is amazing. You guys should definitely check it out. Her name is Spooky underscore Sleuth. It's fucking fantastic. I Thanks. I mean, not just because I'm her best friend and I stand for everything she does, but like if I didn't, I would follow her because she's fucking amazing. Go check it out.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Every plate delivers pre-portioned ingredients and easy to follow recipe cards right to your door so you can spend less time prepping and cooking and spend more time enjoying good food. Choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies and sides to your liking. While most meal kits come with a premium price tag, every plate offers tasty dinners that won't break the bank. Some standouts on the menus for me this week are the sweet chili pork tacos with red cabbage slaw, zesty crema, and peanuts. And the other one was the garlicky white sauce flatbreads with tomato and roasted zucchini. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SPOOKEDGIRLS179. Again, that's everyplate.com and use our code SPOOKEDGIRLS179.
1: Okay, so now we're going to head into the episode. I'm going to hand it over to Tara. She's going to tell us some background on the case and then she's going to hand it over to me when we start getting the person to be in trouble.
0: Yes. Okay, so I will say, because I know there's going to be OG spooksters, I'd be like, bitch, what the fuck? So I believe I'm like 98% sure this was covered, but like a long, long time ago, like 2018, 2019, and probably very, very brief. That was like in our early days when we just did kind of like, we go a lot deeper now in research. So we're like, it's been like three fucking years, it's been three years, Jesus fuck. So here we are with this case because it kind of fits our our theme for the month, because, you know, we like to make themes when there's holidays. So Tara Grant was born on June 28th, 1972. She was one of two kids in her family. She, her other sibling is a sister, and her name is Alicia. They grew up in a small town in Michigan, and after high school, she attended and graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's in business. And after college, she began working at Washington Group International who was later bought out and became United Research Services, or URS Corporation. And basically, this is a company that does engineering design and construct in like construction type of firm. Mm-hmm. And they also deal with U.S. federal, their contract, a government contractor. And they have offices all over the U.S. and in South America as well, in Asia, Europe, I believe Africa is what it also said, all over the world, essentially, and their home base office offices in San Francisco. Now, Tara was thriving and extremely successful in her career. She was moving up the corporate ladder quite a bit. And as she did, she traveled a lot for work. And actually, when she was still in college before she had graduated is when she originally met her husband, Stephen. They weren't together or anything like that. He was attending the school, too, but later dropped out, and she was actually not interested in him at all. She had a boyfriend back home, and they just, people said they are complete opposites, so she just wasn't about it. Tara was described as smart, beautiful, and successful, while on the other hand, Stephen was said to be average and post the crime, because... We know we're talking about a crime here, described as the person who would rob a convenience store and leave his wallet or ID on the counter, aka not smart at all. So, and that came from one of his friends in like a special. That's what I was giggling
1: about. I was like, he had this one friend who was just like, yeah, he's stupid. He was going to be on like that TV show, like World's
0: Dumbest. Yes, World Dumbest Criminals, shit like that. Yeah. Now Stephen had been interested in politics. And had had some jobs with it during the earlier 90s, but he had a hard time finding a solid job in that field. Well, before they got together, Tara's grandma would end up dying. So she went home to be with her family. And Stephen was like super up her ass trying to be like impress her and convince her to go out with him. So he decided to go up there for some moral support. And this was about five or six hours away. And he just showed up.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know how everyone else would feel about it, but I'd feel mixed messages. like I'd be like, oh, that's really nice. But it'd also be like, this is not the right time.
0: It's a little awkward though, because her boyfriend you know, was there.
1: but she seemed to like it. <laughs> and I'm
0: sh- and it was no secret Stephen liked him or her liked her hmm. So, you know, but it was said that, you know, he he was very supportive to Tara and her family and they had actually like went to dinner and he spent time with them and talked with them. And that's kind of what made Tara be like, OK, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Like, I'm going to give him a chance. And after this, they would begin dating and then their relationship moved kind of quickly. So they moved in together just after a couple of months into their relationship. And then shortly after moving in together, he proposed to her and she accepted and he came off as, like, this really thoughtful and loving guy. You know, he had proposed to her at this, like, I think it was, like, an art gallery or, like, someplace she really liked that did art exhibits. And it was because she she loved art a lot. It was one of her things. So, you know, attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And after getting married, they would have two children together, a son and a daughter, who were born in the year 2000 and 2002. Which will kind of, we'll skip ahead over the next couple years and move to 2007. And at this point, the couple had been married for 10 years, just for context. And during their marriage and having their kids and everything, like I said, Tara continued to move up the corporate ladder some more. And she was extremely successful. She was the breadwinner. And at this point, she was traveling to Puerto Rico for work and there during the week and then would come home on the weekends. Just like a big deal. Oh, yeah, that is a huge deal, especially as a woman, like most definitely. Mm -hmm. And Steven, he worked part time during their marriage and stuff at his dad's shop, but he essentially was mainly a stay at home dad. And they lived in a really nice house. They lived in a nice neighborhood. The kids went to private school like Tara provided for her family and made sure they had what they wanted. But with that... Even with Stephen basically being Mr. Mom, as he's described by the media or was described by the media for a little bit, they had a live-in nanny named Verena, and she was a 19-year-old from Germany. And she would nanny during the week and then had the weekends off, but she stayed at the house. Now, of course, like most of these cases, from the outside, no one knew there was any kind of marital issues at all. But Stephen had a huge problem with Tara and her success and their dynamic and her being the breadwinner. He held a lot of resentment for her and he just had this anger and stuff because he couldn't have the career he wanted and he wasn't providing. And it's just like, you know, like very misogynistic thinking. So this caused a huge power struggle in their marriage. And on top of that, he was also convinced that Tara was cheating on him. And basically, he first he thought it was like some ex-boyfriend because supposedly something he saw on the computer. And then later, he was more focused on that she was having an affair with her boss and he was insisting that's why she wanted to work so much and was in Puerto Rico so much, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's literally not true. She was literally there for work. There was never any proof to show that she ever cheated on him. And in true form, Stephen started looking for attention elsewhere. He had been emailing himself with an ex-girlfriend, and it's that whole classic thing where it's him starting with venting about his marriage and the problems, quote, quote, and the affair and all of that, and then it would kind of evolve into him flirting with this ex, and they would exchange photos, or he would ask her for photos, and... Not so uh, good things you should be doing when you're married. And also he looked for more attention elsewhere. He became friendly with a nanny and they escalated into having a sexual relationship. It was said that they had sex about a month before Tara had been reported missing. And then later it would be found out that he had sex with the nanny in his and Tara's bed the night before she was murdered. Damn. Yeah. So, on Valentine's Day, he calls and reports his wife missing. And according to Stephen, what he said was on the night of February 9th, 2007, so that was a Friday, Tara had came home from Puerto Rico like she normally did. And when she got home, the two of them got into a fight because Tara had said, I'm going back to Puerto Rico on Sunday instead of Monday because I have an early business meeting on Monday. Steven said that this made him really upset and he felt that Tara wasn't spending enough time with him and the kids and all she cared about was work and then the affair thing and things like that. And he does admit that they had a fight. And he says that during said fight, Tara decided to leave. He said that she picked up their landline at home and called somebody and said, I'll be right out. And he said that he saw her go into a dark vehicle and that was it. He also states that he tried to call her and left several voicemails and be like, you know, you need to answer. You need to come home. You need to talk to your kids, blah, 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 all of that stuff. And he said prior to calling on Valentine's Day to authorities, he called her parents and they had said, you know, she's an independent person. If you guys really, you know, you guys got in a fight or whatever, she probably just wants her space. That's probably why she was just like, you know what, I'm going to go now. So don't worry about it. Like, I'm sure she'll be home at the end of the week like she always is. And so he said that's why he waited so long to report it in because he had tried to give her her space, but then she never answered. Now, bullshit meters were going the fuck off Mm -hmm. because there's all kinds of red flags here. And the police were like, "Mm, no, 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 no. We're going to look into this. And they also state that he was extremely nervous and just really kind of like, They just were getting bad vibes. And he also showed quickly a distrust to the police. He claims that it was because they had pulled him over for a suspended license and took him in solely to ask about his wife, which I'm like, well, I mean, that was probably an excuse. But, bro, you're driving with a suspended license. Like, what the fuck do you expect? (laughs) Right. And you're probably lucky that they are talking to you
1: about this instead of, like, booking your ass in jail.
0: Exactly. And they had asked him to do a polygraph and all of this. And I know that the polygraphs are whatever, but they had asked him to do one. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do one with you, but I'll do one independently. So he did. And it came back inconclusive, which, again, I know you can't really put much stock in those, but it's at least worth mentioning. Now, of course, as soon as this all comes to their attention, police are looking for her. They're looking for her everywhere, all around. They're looking into her stuff. They're like, well, let's look into her passports and her bank accounts because if she really did go to Puerto Rico and she's just like, you know, staying the fuck away from her husband, like, we'll be able to see that. But when they looked into her passport, they saw that she never left the country. She never went back to Puerto Rico and there was no activity on her bank stuff whatsoever. So they're like that suspect that's weird yes steven he did a lot of interviews and that didn't help him either and it was just like very like a lot of crying and dramatic shit and it was just it's so cringe y'all could fucking watch it it's cringe as fuck well a couple weeks are gonna go by because they can't find tara they can't find any evidence of anything right there's this lady who was in story creek metro Park hiking or something and she finds a plastic bag shoved in a tree and obviously that's you know not supposed to be there in a national park hello and inside the bag were gloves metal shavings and blood which is confirmed to be Tara's blood so upon this discovery police are like oh fuck so Mm -hmm. they decide they're going to map out a search of the the whole park right and on top of that is kind of like perfect timing. They also got a search warrant for the Grant home and mm-hmm. they went over knocking to Stephen. And there's a woman who is a detective on this. And she said, you know, we showed up and he was just like, OK, cool. Like, come on in. You got your warrant. Like, you know, it is what it is. But like, can I not? Is it okay if I go take my dog for a walk? And she's like, you know, obviously at that point, we're not detaining him or anything. We're just searching his home. So we're like, sure, go for it, whatever. Get out of our hair type of thing. He goes and homie never comes back. What he did. (laughs) He decided to dip out. He went over to a friend's house, asked to borrow a truck. And obviously it was one of those friends where it's like, okay, like here you can borrow my shit. Like the friend said, I, you know, he didn't know what was going on. He's like, whatever. Cool. And he takes off. And they can't find him. And he was gone for numerous days. So they find him two days later. And so just for like timeline wise, they did the the whole bag and the search warrant thing was on March 2nd. And so when they find him, he's found at another park that him and Tara would go to for like hiking and camping and things like that and they actually when they find him they had used the cell phone towers cuz you know these people never fucking think about oh cell phone pings right. they gonna know exactly where the fuck you are dum dum he was taken into the hospital he had had frostbite and hypothermia and police say that it was completely clear that he was planning on taking his own life mm-hmm. because along with him they found Suicide notes and goodbye letters for the kids. They also had found pills, alcohol and razor blades. Also interesting, they found a toy gun on him. And basically, they're like, we're assuming that which it makes sense because it was like one that looked like a real gun. He was going to draw it out and essentially have suicide by police. Yeah. And this is when they, you know, when they found him, they took him to the hospital and investigators were like, you know what, we'll let you treat him and everything. But as soon as he's stable, we're going to talk to him. And it was actually the county sheriff, Mark Hackle, that was like, no, 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 no. He's got a answer to this. He's going to be given charges of the murder of his wife because while they were looking for him. They found some things in the house, but I'm going to let Jessica tell you guys about that right now.
1: So I'm going to back it up just a little bit to kind of overlap what Tara was talking about. Yeah. So when they were at his house, when the police were at his house serving the search warrant, and he was like, I'm going to go walk my dog, but then didn't actually, I don't think he took his dog with him. I think he just fucking bolted. They were like, you know, they were executing a search warrant. So they're looking through his stuff and they get into the garage and they see like, these there's like a sled, and there's some tote like it's like there's a, a bin with toys because their kids are like four and six. Some they're like really young. So there's like this mm-hmm. tub of toys, and then next to it is just like a you know, those big plastic totes. There was like a dark colored one. So they opened it and it they see all this plastic, what they think is a bunch of plastic folded up inside of it. And the detective sticks his hand in there and pokes at it, and every single fucking thing oh, wow. says, and it gave way. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Gross, gross, gross. Mm-hmm. So they were like, what the fuck is this? And they were like, immediately knew something was wrong. This isn't a bunch of plastic folded up. This isn't just, it's, there's something weird. So they open it up and they find a human torso. It is yeah. from the neck down to the thighs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were like, holy shit, they've just found Tara at this point. Yeah. Right. Or part of Tara. And this is where they're like, we have to find Stevens. He's obviously like either he's killed her or he knows who's killed her and is holding like part of the like he's part of this. Mm-hmm. So they go on the hunt. They find him through the cell phone towers. Like Tara says, he's basically like lying under a tree, exposed in the winter time, right? Like in fucking the mid northern Midwest,
0: <laughs> like in
1: Michigan, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking snowing. Like, it was bad. And like Tara said, they took him to the hospital and he was being treated for frostbite. So then they start, they start interviewing him or, you know, taking and he just at the I think at this point, he's just like, fuck it. I'm caught. Like, I gotta just I just gotta say because they were like, dude, we found the body. Mm -hmm. Like We found the torso. Mm Like What the fuck? So he begins to tell the story. He says that like every Friday, Tara came home and this particular Friday, they got into a fight. And it was like a pretty big fight. And basically, Tara's like, the gist of it t- was like, Tara was like, fuck you. I'm taking the kids. You're never going to see them again. You're horrible. Like that kind of shit. And it said that in the fight, she grabbed his hand at one point, And this is what set him off. And he began to choke her. And he said, I, I
0: think in some of the reports, too, he tried to say. That she smacked him or something. Yeah. But I don't think that was actually true. I think he was just trying mm-hmm. to like be like, look, this is why I did it. And it's like, no, bro. right? No. Yeah. But I think the th- the
1: general consensus is that she probably did grab his hand. But it mm-hmm. was probably like, who knows how that came up. Right. But he said that he started to strangle her. And that he just couldn't stop and then he knew he had to finish it and then get rid of the body or he was going to go to prison. So he panicked. I believe at one point in time he like got out a like a shirt and put it over her head and was like continuously strangling her. So this took about four like people we talk about this a lot like people think like strangulation is like in the movies where like the guy walks up to the other guy and puts his hand on his neck for like 30 seconds and the dude is dead. I mean Mm -hmm. unless you're crushing windpipes that's not happening.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it takes several minutes at least. Yes. And this this
1: situation gives me very much Chris Watts vibes. Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. he puts a belt around her neck and drags her out into the garage and loads her into her SUV. And she's there for two days.
0: And he says too, like he dropped her at some point and it sounded like a watermelon hitting the concrete.
1: Yeah. I'm like, you're fucking disgusting. It's fucking weird shit. Right. No, like, they recorded it, obviously, yeah. and I couldn't listen. I tried to listen to all of it, but I couldn't because it just it fucking, like, I was like, nope. I did. <laughs> I was like, my mental health needs not Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah. He said that, like I said, he took a belt, which at one point it did break, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he put her, he put her in the back of her SUV and two days later he drove out to his, Tara mentioned that he worked part-time at his father's shop. He drove out there and used the tools to dismember her with a hacksaw, which is what those metal shavings were from, was from the saws. And they actually were able to take those shavings and match it to tools mm-hmm. that were in his father's shop. Right. He said that he was drinking whiskey and he was so distraught that he threw it up. Which I'm like, good. You should
0: fucking throw up. You fucking piece of shit. You should have choked on it. Right. Basically,
1: he kept telling himself, like, when the detectives were like, how could you do this? Like, how Mm -hmm. could you dismember your wife? Things that he was just like, I told myself, look, if you don't do this, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. And I just had to keep cutting.
0: (laughs) Joke's on you. You went anyway, you dumb bitch. Right.
1: Right. So then he packs her up into these like totes and like different bags and whatnot. And he kind of heads out into the park. He said that he took his children's little red sled, that's a little plastic sled, and loaded her remains up and walked out into the park. And he began to scatter her around and like burying her in different locations. At one point in time, he was like out there and I think a police officer went by and he got nervous and the sled like fucking like took off down the hill. I need to like chase it down and it spilled out. Yeah. I was like, the
0: fuck? Like, so like, bad. I, it's like, I, I, when I heard that, he didn't I didn't cut. know how to react. I'm like, oh my fuck. like, he's lucky nobody was around at that point. Cause like, can you imagine if like a little family's there and they see a fucking like head?
1: Head roller? Oh yeah. my
0: God. I'm just like, how is this real life? Jesus. Well,
1: Steven had a little bit of problem with the paranoia of this situation. So he buried her throughout the park and he would get paranoid that someone was going to find her. So he would dig her up and move her around. Mm-hmm. So there are still parts of Tara that are missing because he couldn't even remember where the last time where he buried them. But basically, the torso was the biggest part. And so he's like, I have to go get that part. So he went out, dug up the plastic bags, put it in the tote, and then was it took it back to the house. Mm. This is the exact time, like literally within minutes of him putting her in the garage. They like he up. did not, like she hadn't been there for more than a couple hours, I would say. The fucking police show up and execute a search warrant.
0: So crazy, because like think about it, if they had went there earlier that morning or like the day before, they would have missed it.
1: Right. And I think one of the reasons they were doing he he had to keep moving her body was that they kept searching the park because Mm -hmm. like Tara mentioned earlier, Stephen gave a lot of fucking interviews like he like we we talked about like in the Chris Watts case how it was weird that Chris Watts gave a couple interviews. Mm -hmm. But this was like different. This dude was on there all the time. Right. Like anytime he could get on TV, he would. And the fact of the matter is, is like he wouldn't talk to the police. Like he wasn't helpful. Like at least Chris talked to the police and was like trying to play like like the loving, concerned husband. Stephen wouldn't. He wouldn't talk to the police and he would just go on air and cry and cry and cry and build the sympathy and build the sympathy and build it up. And people were like, this guy is just out there trying to find his wife, you know, but that really wasn't the case. Mm hmm. And he wouldn't talk to the police and it was interesting because when they started searching the park, he suddenly became very helpful. He wanted to be part of it. He wanted to be part of the search party Mm -hmm. and things like that, which is something he hadn't been up until this point.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So Stephen has now told the police that like you guys literally came like right the fuck after I put her in the house. And he's like, I knew I had to get the fuck out of there. So like he was like, I said I was going to walk my dog. An officer was like. Yeah, you can, but really should you type it was like they knew they couldn't just like let him go, but they also knew they could they had no legal precedent to keep him. So they were mm-hmm. trying. So then when he like walked out to his truck, they're like, Where are you going? Why are you getting your truck? And he's like, Oh, I left my wallet. And then when they he realized that he couldn't take his own vehicle, that's when he went over to a friend's house and borrowed mm-hmm. one. And that poor dude was like had no idea that this guy this was happening. Like right. I know. Right. So Stephen basically has like admitted to this horrible, horrible crime. At this point, he's like confessed to the police that he had an affair with the nanny. One of the things that he he acted like he was refusing to help the police was is that the nanny, the company the nanny worked for sent her back to Germany and he acted like the police had done that. But I think it was the it was that it was the company who were, I think, trying to protect her. Right. Because there was the possibility that she did something to Tara.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, the police were like, okay, so we have, we've literally found a huge part of the body in his premise or in his house. He's confessed. So at this point in time, they're getting ready to go to trial. And the 250 page document that recounts the story of what happened to her was actually released as a result of a freedom of information act request. Like people had put it in. And the defense, whose name was Mitch, I'm going to say this wrong, Ribbiter. That's probably not how you say it at all. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) He was like, this is a huge problem for the defense. Like, how can my client get a fair trial if people can just read this? Motherfucker, I don't care. Like, come for me, you dumb dumb. Like, that's rude. (laughs) And basically, he was saying, like, how can you have an unbiased jury if everyone knows? And he goes, and once you ring that, he's like, once the bell is rung, it can't be unrung, can it? This didn't help. You know, and they, they go into the fact that, like, he waited five days to call the police mm. and not 48 hours. Like, and I think her family corroborated the story. Like, yeah, he called and we told her, like, leave her alone. It is also known that Stephen didn't like the police because apparently in 1989 he was arrested for having a concealed weapon. But he'd served no time and he just paid, like, a $500 fine. So, They had a preliminary hearing on May 15th. It was determined that the Freedom of Information Act release was not going to prevent him from having a fair trial. So he went to trial in December, about December 1st, actually. And the trial lasted three weeks. And on December 21st, 2007, he was found guilty of second degree murder and the mutilation of a corpse, because basically they were saying that he did this out of like, In in the heat of a moment. Mm -hmm. And this is what the jury decided. And the judge was fucking pissed about it. Like the judge was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like this dude strangled his wife. No, no, no.
0: Right. Exactly. And then he talked about too, like when he was dumping her body parts in this fucking park that he's like, yeah, I was careless and where I put her and didn't do very deep graves with it because I just wanted the wildlife to take care of it. Exactly. Homeboy fucking put thought into it. 100%. Exactly.
1: So on February 21st, 2008, he was sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison. It's just, it's to me, it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how? How? Fucking how? Right. So, but what I, I want to say is I think it's really good that like within like a year, almost exactly a year of him being caught. He was sentenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty quick. The really sad thing about this is that like Stephen took away Tara from her kids mm-hmm. and they were so young. They were four and six. Right. And they they grew up with her sister, but still it's like not the same. Mm-hmm. And the fucked up part is that even if he was kind of a selfish prick, they also lost their dad. Mm-hmm. So they lost everything. Yeah. I can look at that and see how that's even more sad for those children. Stephen did try to like once he was becoming a suspect, like outwardly, publicly, he then tried to spin it that Tara was a bad mom. hmm
0: Yeah, he would go and talk shit about her to the media. <laughs> right. I mean, he, this dude
1: gave as many fucking interviews as he could. He cried mm-hmm. all the time. It's just, that's so sociopathic.
0: hmm And being like, I was a better mom than she was and all this other shit. And it's like, hmm
1: Okay. It's not really how that works, but cool. Mm, no. She had to be a career person because you weren't a career person. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. granted, when he, when they first started dating and everything like that, they first got married, he had a job that was like kind of what he wanted to do. But like once they had kids, it was like he showed no ambition. Right. And I just, it blows my mind that they had to have a nanny if he's a stay at home mom. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that motherfucker is going to be in there for a while. Yeah. 100%. But I yeah. think it, I watched there was a thing with like the local news outlet did to follow up with her kids because they're technically adults now. Like her daughter, do- their daughter is or when I watched this, she was 20, about to be 21. And the son was a freshman in college because, you know, he's a couple years younger. Mm-hmm. The kids and her sister and, you know, their family and stuff, they do like a like a walk or a 5K mm-hmm. In remembrance of her and i think it's really good and it's really good that they got these kids into therapy and stuff because they do talk about that too so i feel like her sister and them they like you know they definitely did, they did the best job. they could for those kids mm-hmm. yeah and they seem like really level-headed kids and whatnot considering all this fucking shit they went through you know so it's really good
1: okay so with that we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode we hope you guys we always say we always hate to say enjoyed it but we hope it entertained you for a bit and we will see you back here for our next episode in a couple days bye guys bye